Volume Two, Chapter Five of the Seaboard Parish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Seaboard Parish by George MacDonald. Chapter Five mr percival when i reached home i found that connie was already on her watch-tower for a while i was away they had carried her out that she might see the lifeboat i followed her and found the whole family about her couch and with them mr percival who was showing her some sketches that he had made in the neighborhood connie knew nothing of drawing but she seemed to me always to catch the feeling of the thing her remarks therefore were generally worth listening to and mr percival was evidently interested in them when he stood behind connie looking over her shoulder at the drawing in her hand how did you get that shade of green i heard her ask as i came up and then mr percival proceeded to tell her from which beginning they went on to other things till mr percival said but it's hardly fair miss walton to criticize my work while you keep your own under cover i wasn't criticizing mr percival was i connie i didn't hear her make a single remark mr percival said connie taking her sister's side to my surprise they were talking away with the young man as if they had known him for years and my wife was seated at the foot of the couch, apparently taking no exception to the suddenness of the intimacy. I am afraid, when I think of it, that a good many springs would be missing from the world's history if they might not flow till the papas gave their wise consideration to everything about the course they were to take. I think, though, added Connie, it is only fair that mr percival should see your work winnie then i will fetch my portfolio if mr percival will promise to remember that i have no opinion of it at the same time if i could do what i wanted to do i think i should not be ashamed of showing my drawings even to him and now i was surprised to find how like grown women my daughters could talk to me they always spoke like the children they were but when i heard them now it seemed as if they had started all at once into ladies experienced in the ways of society there they were chatting lightly hairily and yet decidedly a slight tone of badinage interwoven with a young man of grace and dignity whom they had only seen once before and who had advanced no farther with Connie at least, than a stately bow. They had, however, been a whole hour together before I arrived, and their mother had been with them all the while, which gives great courage to good girls, while, I am told, it shuts the mouths of those who are sly. But then it must be remembered that there are as great differences in mothers as in girls. And besides, I believe wise girls have an instinct about men that all the experience of other men cannot overtake. 
but yet again there are many girls foolish enough to mistake a mere impulse for instinct and vanity for insight as winnie spoke she turned and went back to the house to fetch some of her work now had she been going a message for me she would have gone like the wind but on this occasion she stepped along in a stately manner far from devoid of grace but equally free from frolic or eagerness and i could not help noting as well that mr percival's eyes followed her what i felt or fancied is of no consequence to anybody i do not think even if i were writing an autobiography i should be forced to tell all about myself but an autobiography is further from my fancy however much i may have trenched upon its limits than any other form of literature with which i am acquainted she was not long in returning however though she came back with the same dignified motion there is nothing really worth either showing or concealing she said to mr percival as she handed him the portfolio to help himself as it were she then turned away as if little feeling of shyness had come over her and began to look for something to do about connie i could see that although she had hitherto been almost indifferent about the merits of her drawings she had a new-born wish that they might not appear altogether contemptible in the eyes of mr percival and i saw too that connie's wide eyes were taking in everything it was wonderful how connie's deprivations had made her keen in observing now she hastened to her sister's rescue even from such a slight inconvenience as the shadow of embarrassment in which she found herself perhaps from having seen some unusual expression in my face of which i was unconscious though conscious enough of what might have occasioned such give me your hand winnie said connie and help me to move one inch further on my side i may move just that much on my side mayn't i papa i think you had better not my dear if you can do without it i answered for the doctor's injunctions had been strong very well papa but i feel as if it would do me good mr turner will be here next week you know and you must try to stick to his rules till he comes to see you perhaps he will let you relax a little connie smiled very sweetly and lay still while winnie stood holding her hand meantime mr percival having received the drawings had walked away with them towards what they call the storm tower a little building standing square to the points of the compass from little windows in which the coast guard could see with their telescopes along the coast on both sides and far out to sea this tower stood on the very edge of the cliff but behind it there was a steep descent to reach which apparently he went round the tower and disappeared he evidently wanted to make a leisurely examination of the drawings somewhat formidable for winnie i thought at the same time it impressed me favorably with regard to the young man that he was not inclined to pay a set of stupid and untrue compliments the instance the portfolio 
was opened but on the contrary in order to speak what was real about them would take the trouble to make himself in some adequate measure acquainted with them i therefore to wenny's relief i fear strolled after him seeing no harm in taking a peep at his person while he was taking a peep at my daughter's mind i went round the tower to the other side and there saw him at a little distance below me but further out on a great rock that overhung the sea connected with the cliff by a long narrow isthmus a few yards lower than the cliff itself only just broad enough to admit of a footpath along its top and on one side going sheer down with a smooth hard rock face to the sands below the other side was less steep and had some grass upon it but the path was too narrow and the precipice too steep for me to trust my head with the business of guiding my feet along it so i stood and saw him from the mainland saw his head at least bent over the drawings saw how slowly he turned from one to the other saw how after having gone over them once he turned to the beginning and went over them again even more slowly than before saw how he had turned the third time to the first then getting tired i went back to the group on the down caught sight of charlie and harry turning heels over head down the slope toward the house found that my wife had gone home in fact that only connie and winnie were left the sun had disappeared under a cloud and the sea had turned a little slaty the yellow flowers in the short down grass no longer caught the eye with their gold and the wind that bent their tops had just the suspicion of an edge in it. And Winnie's face looked a little cloudy too, I thought, and I feared that it was my fault. I fancied there was just a tinge of beseeching in Connie's eyes. As I looked at her, thinking there might be danger for her in the sunlessness of the wind. But I do not know that all this, even the clouding of the sun, may not have come out of my own mind the result of my not being quite satisfied with myself because of the mood i had been in my feelings had altered considerably in the meantime run winnie and ask mr percival with my compliments to come and lunch with us more to let her see i was not displeased however i might have looked than for any other reason she went sedately as before almost as soon as she was gone i saw i had put her in a difficulty for i had discovered very soon after coming into these parts that her head was no more steady than my own on high places for she had never been used to such in our own level country except indeed on the stair that led down to the old quarry and the well where i can remember now she always laid her hand on the balustrade with some degree of tremor although she had been in the way of going up and down from childhood but if she could not cross that narrow and really dangerous isthmus still less could she call to a man she had never seen but once across the intervening chasm i therefore set off after her leaving connie lying there in loneliness between the sea and the sky 
But when I got to the other side of the little tower, instead of finding her standing hesitating on the brink of action, there she was on the rock beyond. Mr. Percival had risen, and was evidently giving an answer to my invitation. At least, the next moment she turned to come back, and he followed. I stood trembling almost to see her cross the knife back of that ledge. If I had not been almost fascinated, I should have turned and left them to come together, lest the evil fancy should cross her mind that I was watching them, for it was one thing to watch him with her drawings, and quite another to watch him with herself. But I stood and stared as she crossed. In the middle of the path, however, up to which point she had been walking with perfect steadiness and composure, she lifted her eyes, by what influence I cannot tell, saw me, looked as if she saw a ghost, half lifted her arms, swayed as if she would fall, and, indeed, was falling over the precipice when Percival, who was close behind her, caught her in his arms, almost too late for both of them. So nearly down was she already that her weight bent him over the rocky side, till it seemed as if he must yield, or his body snap, for he bent from the waist and looked as if his feet only kept a hold on the ground. It was all over in a moment, but in that moment it made a sun-picture on my brain, which returns ever and ever again, with such vivid agony that I cannot hope to get rid of it till I get rid of the brain itself in which lies the impress. In another moment they were at my side, she with a wan, terrified smile, he in a ruddy alarm. I was unable to speak and could only, with trembling steps, lead the way from the dreadful spot. I reproached myself afterwards for my want of faith in God, but I had not had time to correct myself yet. Without a word on their side either, they followed me. Before we reached Connie, I recovered myself sufficiently to say, not a word to Connie, and they understood me. I told Winnie to run to the house and send Walter to help me carry Connie home. She went, and, until Walter came, I talked to Mr. Percival as if nothing had happened. And what made me feel yet more friendly towards him was that he did not do as some young men wishing to ingratiate themselves would have done. He did not offer to help me to carry Connie home. I saw that the offer rose in his mind, and that he repressed it. He understood that I must consider such a permission as a privilege not to be accorded to the acquaintance of a day, that I must know him better before I could allow the weight of my child to rest on his strength. I was even grateful to him for this knowledge of human nature, but he responded cordially to my invitation to lunch with us, and walked by my side as Walter and I bore the precious burden home. During our meal he made himself quite agreeable, talked well on the topics of the day, not altogether as a man who had made up his mind, but not the less, rather than the more, as a man who had thought about them, and one who did not find it so easy to come to a conclusion as most people do or possibly as not feeling the necessity of coming to a conclusion, and therefore preferring to allow the conclusion to grow instead of constructing one for immediate use. 
This I rather liked than otherwise. His behavior, I need hardly say, after what I have told of him already, was entirely that of a gentleman, and his education was good. But what I did not like was, that as often as the conversation made a bend in the direction of religious matters, he was sure to bend it away in some other direction as soon as ever he laid his next hold upon it. This, however, might have various reasons to account for it, and I would wait. After lunch, as we rose from the table, he took Winnie's portfolio from the side table where he had laid it, and with no more than a bow and thanks returned it to her. She, I thought, looked a little disappointed, though she said as lightly as she could, I'm afraid you have not found anything worthy of criticism in my poor attempts, Mr. Percival. On the contrary, I shall be most happy to tell you what I think of them if you would like to hear the impression they have made upon me, he replied holding out his hand to take the portfolio again. I shall be greatly obliged to you, she said, returning it, for I have had no one to help me since I left school, except a book called Modern Painters, which I think has the most beautiful things in it I ever read, but which I laid down every now and then with a kind of despair, as if I never could do anything worth doing. How long the next volume is in coming? Do you know the author, Mr. Percival? I wish I did. He has given me much help. I do not say I can agree with everything he writes, but when I do not, I have such a respect for him that I always feel as if he must be right whether he seems to me to be right or not. And if he is severe, it is with the severity of love that will speak only the truth." This last speech fell on my ear like the tone of a church bell. That will do, my friend, thought I, but I said nothing to interrupt. By this time he had laid the portfolio open on the side table and placed a chair in front of it for my daughter, then seating himself by her side, but without the least approach to familiarity, he began to talk to her about her drawings, praising, in general, the feeling, but finding fault with the want of nicety in the execution. At least, so it appeared to me from what I could understand of the conversation. But, said my daughter, it seems to me that if you get the feeling right, that is the main thing. No doubt, returned Mr. Percival, so much the main thing that any imperfection or coarseness or untruth which interferes with it becomes of the greatest consequence. But it can really interfere with the feeling, perhaps not with most people, simply because most people observe so badly that their recollections of nature are all blurred and blotted and indistinct, and therefore the imperfections we are speaking of do not affect them. But with the more cultivated it is otherwise. It is for them you ought to work for you do not thereby lose the others. Besides, the feeling is always intensified by the finish, for that belongs to the feeling too, and must, I should think, have some influence even where it is not noted. But is it not a hopeless thing to attempt the finish of nature? Not at all, to the degree, that is, 
in which you can represent anything else of nature but in this drawing now you have no representative of nothing to hint at or recall the feeling of exquisiteness of nature's finish why should you not at least have drawn a true horizon line there has the absolute truth of the meeting of sea and sky nothing to do with the feeling which such a landscape produces i should have thought you would have learned that if anything from mr ruskin mr percival spoke earnestly winnie either from disappointment or despair probably from a mixture of both apparently fancied that or rather felt as if she, he was scolding her and got cross this was anything but dignified especially with a stranger and one who was doing his best to help her and yet somehow i must with shame confess i was not altogether sorry to see it in fact my reader i must just uncover my sin and say that i felt a little jealous of mr percival the negative reason was that i had not yet learned to love him the only cure for jealousy is love but i was ashamed too of winnie's behaving so childishly her face flushed the tears came in her eyes and she rose saying with a little choke in her voice i see it's no use trying i won't intrude any more into things i am incapable of i am much obliged to you mr percival for showing me how presumptuous i have been the painter rose as she rose looking greatly concerned but he did not attempt to answer her indeed she gave him no time he could only spring after her to open the door for her a more than respectful bow as she left the room was his only adieu but when he turned his face again towards me it expressed even a degree of consternation i fear he said approaching me with an almost military step much at variance with the shadow upon his countenance i fear i have been rude to miss walton but nothing was farther you're mistaken entirely mr percival i heard all you were saying and you were not in the least rude on the contrary i consider you were very kind to take the trouble with her you did allow me to make the apology for my daughter which i am sure she will wish made when she recovers from the disappointment of finding more obstacles in the way of her favorite pursuit than she had previously supposed she is only too ready to lose heart and she paid too little attention to your approbation and too much in proportion i mean to your criticism she felt discouraged and lost her temper but more with herself and her poor attempts i venture to assure you than with your remarks upon them she is too much given to despising her own efforts but i must have been to blame if i caused any such feeling with regards to those drawings for i assure you they contain great promise i am glad you think so that i should myself be of the same opinion can be of no consequence miss walton at least sees what ought to be represented all she needs is greater severity in the quality of representation and that would have grown without any remark from onlookers 
only a friendly criticism is sometimes of great help. It opens the eyes a little sooner than they would have opened of themselves. And time, he added, with a half sigh and with an appeal in his tone, as if he would justify himself to my conscience, is half the battle in this world. It is over so soon. No sooner than it ought to be, I rejoined. So it may appear to you, he returned, for you, I presume to conjecture, have worked hard and done much. I may or may not have worked hard. Sometimes I think I have, sometimes I think I have not, but I certainly have done little. Here I am nearly thirty, and have made no mark on the world yet. I don't know that that is of so much consequence, I said. I have never hoped for more than to rub out a few of the marks already made. Perhaps you are right, he returned. Every man has something he can do, and more, I suppose, that he can't do. But I have no right to turn a visit into a visitation. Will you please tell Miss Walton that I am very sorry I presumed on the privileges of a drawing-master, and gave her pain? It was so far from my intention that it will be a lesson to me for the future. With these words he took his leave, and I could not help being greatly pleased both with them and with his bearing. He was clearly anything but a common man. End of chapter 5